All right, let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Don Cherry's Grapevine Podcast. I'm here with my dad and Cindy, my sister. So, Dad, after our podcast on uh, last week, I asked you, what is the greatest motivator, fear or anger? And you said neither. Yeah, and I said hunger. Because when you're hungry, I think, the, I think Jack Dempsey, he was married to Estelle Taylor. He was a great movie star back in those days, and uh, he, he lost to uh, uh, Jean Tunney, and she, she woke up in the morning, and she said, Jack, how could you ever lose to a guy like Jean Tunney? He said, well, dear, I have to tell you, it's tough getting up at 5 a.m. and running in silk shorts, oh, uh, and as he said, and, and uh, he wasn't as hungry. Right, because it was funny you said that, and then I watched um, yesterday, there was prelims for a big fight, UFC fight between two women, and uh, so George St. Pierre, uh, the Canadian, who's one of the greatest fighters, Absolutely. He, they asked him, who's going to win and, and why? And his thing goes, well, he said, the ex-champ, whose name was Nunez, he goes, is she hungry enough to come back? Because sometimes he says, if you're a champion, you lose. Are you going to be hungry enough to put the work in to come back to win? And then he goes, but on the other hand, the girl that won, Pena, he goes, she won. She was hungry for the championship. And now that she won, he said, is she hungry enough to keep going? And that's all he kept saying. So they kept saying, well, they kept asking him, what about styles? What about this? And all he kept saying was, you know, is she hungry enough? So it's funny how you said that, and that's exactly <laughs> what uh, that's exactly what he said. When you're hungry as a coach, and you know it all comes from the coach in hockey. You can I can see a game, and um, somehow that guy in, in Tampa keeps them hungry, and they're a good hockey club. Don't get me wrong, but somehow he keeps them hungry. So how <laughs> would a coach keep uh, an, uh, an athlete hungry? Like, isn't that something that comes within? I don't know. And you How know, do you motivate? You get rid of guys that aren't hungry. Oh. And I can tell, when I coached, I could tell a guy that wasn't hungry. I don't know how I could tell, but I could tell. You know, just going to play the game, going to get through it, and everything like that. And I could tell. I hate to say it, like when you see the Leafs in the playoffs, a lot of guys on the team aren't hungry. Well, some, some of them are. But boy, oh boy, when that Tampa plays. Uh, for instance, I'll give you an example. Steve Stamkos, at the end of, I think it was game six. Six against yeah. the Rangers. Yeah. Yep. The game was over. There was nothing to gain. There was nothing, no, nothing at all. And he had a fight with a guy. It wasn't, it wasn't an important guy. He could have broke his hand, and he still had the fight because he was hungry. And he somehow or other. And he gets two goals the next game. And he gets two goals the next game. And he could have broke his hand. Forget it. And that's funny, though, because you see a lot of commentators saying, why is he risking, why is he fighting the nonsense? You know, they're, yeah, they're going on. They don't know. They, they see, they see a guy fighting and you break, break it on the visor very easy. And, uh, well, you were saying to me that, uh, and Cindy, you've said awful times, when you got your chance in Rochester, 
you were pretty hungry. Oh, when I when I took over coaching, I don't know. Maybe I, sh- I should have been hungrier as a player. But when I took over coaching, boy. Well, you had a lot to prove. And um, I remember going around to all the training camps. Went to Boston. I went to New York. I went to uh, Buffalo. I went to about three or four camps. New York Rangers had too many players, way, way too many players. And I knew they were going to send them to the Eastern League. So I, I said, I'll take anybody that you're going to send to the Eastern League. And and uh, by God, all those guys. And now, there you are. There, again, there you guys. All those guys are hungry to make the National Hockey League. And I knew it. I didn't have to mention them. Guys who weren't, they were gone. And the thing is with Rochester, people don't realize when those owners bought the team, you were not only the coach, you were the GM. You ran the whole the whole thing, like uh, I was, sending out letters to the players and making uh, hotel reservations, season tickets, the, the public relations, the marketing. You were the head guy that did everything in Rochester. And people just think it was just the hockey. I was a you, trainer, too. You were the business and you were the trainer. And uh, that, man, that is something when you look back, how business-minded you were. I, remember. I even worked in the office. Do you remember that? <laughs> Made sandwiches, too. I, well, I was the caterer for the press. I also was the secretary for a long time. I sent out the letters. I made all the deposits at the bank. I did all the banking when the people come in and buy season tickets. I wrote it all down and recorded it and where they were sitting. I never appreciated you anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I don't ever remember getting a paycheck. I think I got room and board. Yeah, season seats. (laughs) Yeah, see, oh yeah. And I worked the games, trust me. Well, I mean, the one thing too that getting on, and we've talked about Battleship Kelly uh, a few times on on the podcast, but you know, you were saying you got him and he was hungry to make, to to prove everybody wrong. Hans Tanner was a writer for the Democrat and Chronicle, which was a newspaper in in Rochester. So I used to work hand in hand with him. He knew the players. And I said, there's one guy, one guy above everybody I want is Battleship Kelly. How did you ever hear about him? I go to New York camp and there's Battleship Kelly. I couldn't believe it. And I said, I, I guess I can't get Battleship Kelly. And he's, Terry Reardon had promised him some money if you go to uh, uh, Baltimore. I'll never forget the call I got from Dennis Ball, who was a player personnel. Do you still want Battleship Kelly? I never, I, ne- I don't think I was ever as happy as my life. I did a dance. He really came to your rescue, didn't he? He that did. Gentleman. Battleship he Kelly. gave you how many players for that team? But that was good motivation for those players on your team because uh, these were all the guys that couldn't make uh, the Rangers. And I never team. mentioned it once, Cindy. Not once did I ever say, these guys never wanted you. They knew. They, they didn't knew what have- they had to do, right? Better believe it. And so ben, John Bendarski was one of them. Remember oh, him? Oh, old John Bendarski. So, do you think, like when when the Vegas you know, that first year with Gallant, they went to the finals? Do you think that's the same thing that those Absolutely. players? Absolutely. And then the next year they weren't hungry. They weren't hungry. Unless you're hungry, I can tell. But they call that want it more. They want the game so more. So when you see players that signed for like these seven-year contracts, uh, yeah, how hard is it for them to keep motivated to be hungry when they've just signed for seven years for a billion dollars? I mean, how do you as a coach keep them hungry? No, no. You don't know. It'd be pretty well, hard. Well, as you say, it's, it's running in silk shorts at 4 a.m., and how many times have you said in Coach's Corner, well, he's coming up to his contract, 
And that speaks volumes for motivation for a player to Julie do well. Julie Gilbert was coming up for his contract, and, and we were playing in Montreal, Montreal Forum. That's why he played so well. He, played he had in that a series. lot of motivation. He was hungry to get and a good And he contract. was a good hockey player. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to keep uh, answering some fans' questions. And how, I many, how many people written in? Oh, hundreds. Right. And the two most requested uh, questions are, first of all, what's happening in Calgary? That's what everybody wanted to know, yeah. right? That was them. But everybody wants to hear Eddie Shore stories. Well, because first, I don't think people believe half the stories of Eddie Shore. Well, believe me, they were true. I know it's hard to believe. I read them uh, before I got there. For instance, it, uh, I, I remember I broke my toe blocking a shot like a fool. And block and broken toe, so I wasn't going to practice the next day. And he used to have a deep voice. Remember the remember the guy we had on that played played a. Oh yeah, uh, um, on our movie, Stephen McCaddy played him. I'm telling you, he was dressed like him. He had a hat. He must have studied him. He had a hat, and I was I was absolutely afraid of him. Yes, I was too. He had a he had a aura about him he on does. the movie set. Tell the story about. So we, we were doing your life story in Winnipeg, and we were looking to a guy to play Eddie Shore, and the, the one guy I wanted was Stephen McCaddy. And, and he's a great Canadian actor. He's a great actor. Oh, yeah. And I saw him on Seinfeld, too. He's right? on Seinfeld. He was uh, the psychiatrist. psychiatrist that Elaine was having an affair with. Yeah. So they said, oh, he'll never come. They, he won't come. And I go, why? And they says, well, he, did, he, played, uh, he played in the, the, Ro- the movie The Rocket. And uh, they said, oh, you won't, won't want to do another hockey movie. So uh, Wayne, Ta- uh, Wayne Thompson, who was helping us, he says, well, I know his agent. I'll contact him. As soon as he contacted Steve McCaddy, he says, yep, I'm in. I want to play Eddie Shore. And he said, with no hesitation. And played for scale, which, like, he was, he, he gets more than Yeah, he's scale. a big timer. He yeah. got scale. So, um, he, so he came in. And he did. Like, he, he has kind of an aura around yeah, him. Yeah, right? he, he doesn't smile. Yeah. So we didn't know if he could skate, <laughs> right? So the producer or uh, the director, uh, uh, he comes to me and he says, do you know if Steven can skate? And I says, I don't know. He says, well, you got to go ask him because, you know, yeah. we got to have him on the ice. So he's getting, he's in wardrobe getting, getting measured for his suits and he's, he's bitching how he hates going to wardrobe. So he's in a bad mood as it is. So I'm trying to make small talk, and I go, uh, Mr. McCaddy, I said, um, uh, I said, uh, did, you, did you bring your skates? You, you can skate, right? And he knew what I was asking, right? Yeah. And he, boy, he just stared daggers at me. Yes, Timothy, I can skate. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Star Trek, too, eh? He was in Star Trek, yeah. So yeah, he was in, in uh, big-time movies, and uh, he really handled it well in the movie when you and Mom see him in the Boston Gardens years later. Yeah. Remember that classic scene? Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. well, that was But you cool. said he sounded like him in everything, right? He scared me more than... I said hello to him, and then he, and he said, and he just, he never smiled or anything, hello, and... He actually scared me. Right. He had the hat on and everything. Because he, just to show you what, what Stephen did, like what a good actor he was, he, he found footage of Shore talking and got his cadence down, how yeah, he talked. He, he, so. Yeah. I remember. So, but, he, but you said you broke your toe. Broke, broke my toe. So I, 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 and uh, sure, me early in the morning. Uh, and when he said that that way, you were there early in the morning. So I was down there early in the morning. Well, I remember you were saying, 
uh, Eddie's, you said the mom, right? You said the mom, I got to go. Or the, I have to go to practice early. And mom goes, why? You, you said, Shore said she's going to fix, going to cure my broken toe. And mom goes, how do you cure a broken toe? <laughs> <laughs> really? And he showed me how to break the toe, how to fix it. It got your mind off the toe, right? I walk in, I walk in the dressing room. I can still see the dressing room. And there's a, there's a, there's a, a white bucket and, a, and two white buckets. One is in boiling hot water, and one is in ice. And you know, if you put your foot in ice for a long time, for ten, not not ten minutes, but a while, and then put it in, and it doesn't hurt. It freezes, numbs it, it, right? Oh boy, I was in such pain. I mean, I was in, I was in. I, so you I put it in the ice bucket. Then he made you. And then he put it, and then he put it in. Then I, I was close to tears. But then he put it in the uh, the boiling water. Yeah, and back and forth. And then back. back and forth. And then after the boiling water, you put it back into ice. So I, I he took pity. I, 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 if, if Eddie Shore can show pity, he showed pity. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have showed pain if it had been the last thing in the world to me. I took my skate and just jammed it in there, and. Uh, I, he was right. He, he, he cured a broken toe. <laughs> That's right. He, he cured it by saying, you said, you said, all right, anybody show up, my, my, my toe's cured, just so you'd stop, right? You, you know why? You know why I often think of this here? I think he would have, with a broken toe, he wouldn't even th- thought of it, all the injuries no. he had. No, you read about what he played with, the injuries. Uh, and, and, I, and I can't play with a broken toe. He showed me how to play with a broken toe. The one quick story, too, that was funny. We said that uh, you guys were on the ice, and you, you were walking around like ducks, and there was a guy laughing. Oh, yeah. We were going around. We were going around, and believe it or not, we were like ducks. I mean, honest to God, we were like ducks. It's so, so embarrassing. And the New York Rangers show up. And what do you mean by ducks? Like- uh, just You were on the ice, and you were like waddling around. Waddling like around like a duck, like a stupid duck. Dumb, dumb, stupid, didn't do us any good at all. And the guy was up above in, in the crowd, in the seats laughing. And I, I just had to be skating by, and he said to um, Patty and the, the coach, he said, who's that young man laughing up in there? And he said, Jimmy Bartlett. And he, Jimmy, he got Jimmy Bartlett that year. That year he got him. and um, He traded for him. Yeah, he, I don't know how he got him, but he got him. And he had a terrific, terrific playoff right up until the finals and never played him. Benched him. Benched him. That's the kind of guy he was. So, Dad, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Spreads.ca. They're a Canadian-owned online. Canadian-owned. That's a big one. It's a big one. Online casino and sportsbook. And if you use the promo grapes and sign up, They'll match your deposit up to $500. You get 10 spins on the big wheel. And if you get uh, three of your jackets, you can win some big money. And your first sports I don't understand that. What do you mean, jackets? Well, they have like a, you know, it's like a slot machine. And, huh. you know, like you have sevens across. If you get your jacket across, yeah. they have like a, a picture oh, of your okay. jacket. You get seven, you get your, you win some money. And then uh, your first sports bet, they'll spot you $25. So oh, that's a good deal. Good and um, it's always fun putting a couple of, uh, couple. even if you put $2 on a game, it's a lot of fun. So dad... We got one of the questions we got was uh, Dale from Winnipeg, and he asked, "Did you ever play against a player named Eddie Mazer?" I sure did, and we called him Spider, and he and he looked just like a spider. 
and he, he was all legs and arms, a big guy too, six foot two, and and he was he was tough. He was tough. You didn't fool with him, but I don't know for some stupid reason. I was in Providence in the American Hockey League, and I hit him. And we're, I was—I remember I was on my hands and knees, and he was on his hands and knees, and he just took and just sliced me right, 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 right up above the knee. What, like cross-checking the face? Yeah, cross-checking the face. I didn't, I didn't think he'd do it. So today but, he'd get life. Oh, today he'd be shot, put up against the wall and shot. Anyhow, I didn't know what to do. So I got up, and he got up, and I, I brought my stick back to really crucify him. Really, I was really... I'd got, imagine they're doing stuff like that. Anyhow, I hear I felt I felt something in the back there, and then all of a sudden I got pushed head first into him, and there's blood all over. I went over to I remember going over to Joe Crozier. He was a coach in Rochester. He says, "Look at that son of a gun," and he called them all names and everything. He was in first, getting uh, stitched, stitched up first. Actually, he's the home team. Then I was going, going to go in and get stitched up. And I saw Arnie Brown there, and I said, hey, Arnie, what the heck are you doing there? He's your teammate, right? Yeah, he's my teammate. I didn't see you in any stick point. He's when you brought your stick back, hard, back like that, I ran right into it, right <laughs> on top of the head. <laughs> and uh, he was getting stitched up after, but boy, yeah, he spied so him. So did you hit him with your stick? No, I got pushed. Uh, when I brought it back, I got hit from oh. behind. Yeah. It was it was Arnie. Well, I remember one time we were talking to Jerry Cheevers, and it was like one of his first games, and he said it was one of the most vicious fights he's ever seen. Well, there was a lot of blood. I don't know whether it was. I don't know it was a fight for Jerry. It was. <laughs> there was a lot of blood all over the place. And, and it's it, funny you never and you didn't lose your teeth. Yeah, I didn't lose my teeth. Not funny. Eh? Yeah, right. you got your right on the lip, eh? Just uh, just above the above, above the lip, right across there, and there was and you know how. It, it, Blood pours out everywhere. It was all over the place. And the doctor was really funny. He was stitching up, and we were standing in the hall. <laughs> it was, I mean, imagine that. Can I tell a story about one time uh, we were in Rochester, and it was, boy, in those days it used to really be cold in Rochester, and you were out back. It was late in the, in the evening. It was dark, and you were uh, putting water on Tim's uh, rink in the back right? So you're spraying with the hose and getting the yeah. water all going. And I came up behind you and I was going to scare you and all this other stuff. And you turned around and it was so cold that your face was red from the cold, but all your stitches were white. So uh-huh. I could see every place in your face huh. that you got stitched. I and I got scared. <laughs> And I, oh, I went like this to to see it because obviously where you have skin or stitches, it's it's scar tissue, right? That doesn't get the blood. And so, and I said, I always thought it looked like Jerry Cheever's uh, goalie mask. You know how he had all the stitches in it? And I said, that was your face, seeing all the places on your face that you got stitches. Hmm. It's amazing. Because you what you said what you and you figure you counted four hundred stitches in your well, face. I don't know about three something like that. I I got a picture. Somebody sent me a picture, and it shows me in uh, Vancouver, Canucks, and uh, you know it's really cold over in the old forum, and uh, there's a stitch right between my eyes. Yeah, I had to be. I, I, I can see it now. Hey, I can see the stitch now. Like you could see your cut now, right over the eye. Where'd you get that? I don't know. 
looks I like, remember, it looks like a puck. I remember when I used to have fun when mom would say to me, Cindy, go get the cuticle scissors and my tweezers, my eyebrow tweezers. And I knew that mom and I were going to take out your stitches. And that was for a little girl to see because she'd pull up the stitch, you know, with the, her hair, her eyebrow tweezers and with the cuticle scissors, cut them. And, all. and I remember, it was something to see. I remember the very first time I did that. I said, uh, Rose, I said, I want you to take out the uh, stitches. She said, I'm not taking out stitches. That's that's not. I said, you know, it saved me going to the hospital. Yeah. There's nothing just to take out the stitches. No, I'm not going. I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. And she fine. And then at, so at the start, she was all worried about me. Yeah. And at the end, she's taking them out. I, you know, I kind of winced a little. She's, keep quiet, sit there and say, yeah. Supposed to be a big tough hockey player. That's what just she used to there. do. She'd make you flinch. And when I was watching, she goes, "Look at Cindy. There's your big tough father hockey player. Look, look at him flinch. Look, look at him flinch. And, and oh, oh, oh. They were they were good coming out, but they were pretty tough going in. Lab asks. That's L A B asks. Who was your favorite player growing up, Dad? There's no doubt about it in my mind. Who my, who was it was Kenny Reardon. He was a, he was a hero in the Second World War. He was a dispatch writer. That is one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. You're out in the battlefield all the time. I remember I thought so much of him. I sat through three, three movies just to see about two seconds of him going up the ice. Well, in the newsreel before the movie. Yeah, he used to have a newsreel before the... Him and, him and Cal Gardner got into it. Kenny Reardon and Cal Gardner, boy, they're two tough guys, I'll tell you. Yeah, well, I guess they, they really went at it with the sticks, eh? And one broke his jaw, and then when he broke his jaw, he met his wife in the hospital. Who was that? That was Kenny or Cal? Yeah. Cal. And I guess they were, it was such a bloody feud that they had that uh, Clarence Campbell made them sign a peace bond. Yeah, and he broke it anyhow. He broke, yeah, so he broke, they, broke yeah, it. It was a 500-piece bond that they couldn't do anything against each other. No, 2,000, I 2000. think. 2,000, well, back then. Yeah. One of the biggest disappointments I had is when I, I somehow I ended up with the Montreal Canadiens. Don't ask me how I ended up there. I'll have to figure that one out. And and Gary Bergman was sitting beside me, and um, Kenny Reardon come up and said, "Welcome to the club." They were they were a really class organization, the Montreal Canadiens. Gary Bergman said, "I wouldn't do that if I were you, Don." I said, "Why?" He said, "You call him Terry." I see you're kidding. I get a chance to meet my hero, and I call him Terry. Oh, his brother. Holy. Oh, boy. And then we went up north. We're in the exhibition game. We're up north, and um, we went into the clothing store, and he was in there too, eh? and, and there was two guys from, nor- from northern Ontario. They had no coats at all, and it was cold. And he, I heard him go over to the guy and said, give these guys two coats and put it on my bill. He was he was a great guy. Oh, <laughs> was he tough? I played with Cal in uh, in Springfield, and I remember Eddie Shore going up to him and he said, "Tell Cal Gardner how to skate." He says, "Eddie, he says I've been in, I was in the league for for fourteen years." He says, "You think I'd know how to skate?" He says, "If you had been skating my way, you would have been in it eighteen years. You couldn't you couldn't win with a guy that that's how Eddie Shore was." Kenny Reardon was a great hockey, well, I thought he was a great hockey player, and he was a great guy. And you know, Tim, when I went to bed every night when I was a kid, I used to have this picture of, of Kenny Reardon. What a beautiful picture it was. And when I w- had him on the Grapevine show, he gave me the picture, and it signed to Don Kenny Reardon. I was a lucky guy. <laughs> 